Brooklyn is everything. Home to icons, bar racers, and startups who are just getting started. And for all who live here, home to great health care. New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital with doctors from Weill Cornell Medicine, a new center for community health, and endless empathy for everyone. Stay Brooklyn. Stay amazing. Ram Power Days is going on now with our most powerful lineup of trucks ever. Hurry in and don't just feel the power, own it. And now, well-qualified lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab 4x4 for $409 a month for 42 months with $7,899 due at signing. Tax, title, license, extra, no security deposit required. Call 1-877-RAM-5722 for details. Requires dealer contribution to lease through Chrysler Capital. Extra charge for miles over $35,000. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 1031-22. Today, Carl and Nick preview the Broncos' Week 4 matchup as the Denver Broncos try to bounce back against the hated divisional rival, Oakland Raiders. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kendall. Nick, I have one question for you to start this podcast. Who is your least favorite team in the AFC West? The Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> no, I'm just all kidding aside. It's, it's obviously the Oakland Raiders. I mean, just the black hole, kind of obnoxious fan base. I'm going to go there, let's be honest. Uh, they don't have the barbecue that Kansas City has. They don't have the weather that San Diego, I guess, had. Now it's in LA, but now they might go back to San Diego. I mean, that's just a horribly run franchise. So forget <laughs> you them. almost feel bad for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Chiefs fans too. They Every year they kind of get built up and their team fails. So the Raiders, I, I'm with you. They are my least favorite team. Fan base wise, honestly, they just, they're so unrealistic every single year. During that 15 year stretch, I had Raiders fans still telling me that they were Super Bowl caliber teams. And every draft pick was going to the Hall of Fame. And Jamarcus Russell at one time was supposed to be the next greatest quarterback of all time. And all these these things. And just, oh my goodness, their fans drive me crazy. So every time I, the Broncos get to beat them and just see them going into panic mode, I love it. And to me, that the added fire of Jack Del Rio being their head coach. The man that almost got into a fist fight with John Elway. <laughs> I don't money's on my dude. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Del Rio, he gets that fire in his eyes. You just never know. But yes, to beat him, to to show the Raiders that he is an average at best coach and to put them back in their place of where they belong in the AFC West, love it. So here's to a, a great Raiders week, of course. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that this show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos. From great game previews to reviews, from roster analysis, offseason, and draft speculation, of course, we like to throw in a few hot takes here and there. And Nick and I will continue to bring relevant and intriguing content for the most hardcore fans who eat, sleep, and breathe Bronco football like us. 
While it is fun to simply watch the game, we are here to provide you with an entertaining deep dive on the Broncos each and every week. With Nick and myself being film junkies, we will be bringing you these previews from a scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set and X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter at CarlDumblerMHH, as well as follow Nick at NickKendallMHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure to check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. Now, we know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, for the past few weeks, we have here at the Huddle Up podcast have been running a contest. The best rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher will receive a complimentary milehighhuddle.com VIP premium membership. The winner will get access to all of our film reviews and more in-depth articles, as well as access to our members-only message boards. Even if it's not a glowing review, we're looking for the best, most creative. We'll announce it later this month. And finally, I want to tell you, today's pod episode is, is brought to you by MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is all about the excitement of making accurate sports predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. It's totally recreational, and there are all kinds of prizes. In today's climate, the fantasy industries have made watching football a lot more interesting. So go to MyBookie.net, compete for great prizes, totally free. All right, let's, let's dive into this game here against this, uh, this hated rivals Raiders team. And unfortunately, the, the one thing, the one thing the Raiders still have over the Broncos is the all-time head-to-head matchup. They have won 62 games to our 51 and a couple ties in there as well. And thankfully, most recent history, the Broncos have really clo- closed the gap, winning nine of the last 11 games. And of course, our last one, that was in Denver, 24 to 6 against the Raiders. And Nick, I was actually a little shocked by this stat here. The Broncos and, and Raiders, as great as these two franchises have actually been, winning six Super Bowls combined, lots of lots of Super Bowl appearances, they've only met twice in the playoffs. Once in 1994 with the Raiders winning, and of course, once in 1978 with the Broncos winning. I don't know, it just kind of blew me away that these two teams have only met twice. I guess because they are both in the AFC West, if one makes it, the odds of the other one getting in is decreased drastically. But still, you think they'd meet each other more often, especially with how hated they are. Definitely. Well, we uh, we have a few key matchups for this this game. Uh, this is a, a very interesting one to me because in some ways it's strength on strength. In some ways it's uh, strength on weakness. There, there's just there's so many key matchups that you could either say – this is going to be a tough one that the Broncos have to win, or this is one that they have to win because this is the easy matchup. I, and and so I think we kind of included both of those in this breakdown of key matchups. And the first one is one of those strength on strength. Broncos front seven versus Raiders offensive line, and of course beast mode. <laughs> Crazy to think that he is an Oakland Raider right now, but there he is. And so far he's looked okay. He's looked pretty good. Not great, but he's looked pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, we'll we'll see. <laughs> Always more games. Definitely. But right now, just looking at the the stats, I'll just give the stats to start off, and then we'll we'll deep dive into this a little bit more. Broncos are third in yards rushing given up. They are far, first in yards per carry at two point six yards per carry, which 
just blows my mind when you consider we played Elliot, we played McCoy, we've played Gordon. These are, are three of the more well-known running backs around the NFL. Gordon, for all of his touchdowns last year, almost breaking 1,000 yards. Elliot, of course, being the rushing champion last year. And McCoy just being that guy that just has been great for many, many years. All of them are first-round draft picks as well, so high pedigree coming from all of them. Exactly. Uh, McCain, McCoy might have been a second-round pick. Was he a second, early second? I can't quite remember. He is a second-round pick. But he plays like a first-round pick. He's, he's taken in the first round of most fantasy drafts. So <laughs> he's a first-round pick in, in a different way. Yeah. But Oakland, on the other hand, they are 15th in yards rushing, but 5th in yards per attempt at 4.7 yards per attempt. And last year, that was one of the big strengths that really had that offense clicking. It made life very, very easy for for Carr and Cooper and Crabtree and all those weapons that they had last year because everybody had to worry about the run game. And it looks like they're trying to somewhat establish that again this year. It just hasn't quite clicked like it did the year before, in my opinion. But they do have a great offensive line. Maybe, I, I would say top three. I would put Dallas ahead of them. Although Dallas has struggled the last couple games, I would put Tennessee above them. That's the only two that I would put above them. What about the uh, Redskins? Oh, man. They have the two great tackles. I just don't think that they have the interior that competes with those other two teams. How dare you insult Brandon Scherf like that in front of me? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. I forgot that that he was taken. He was one of those top ten picks that got moved down to guard. He uh, he is man. He he just he looks like a tank. He is a tank. I've seen him, <laughs> I've seen him at the grocery store here in Iowa City. Oh my god! Like a, just a different level person. Oh, Couldn't even man. believe his grocery cart. It was just protein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder what the grocery bill is for NFL teams on a, a given year. Just how much food they have to buy for these players. Oh, Listeners, okay. find out for us. Tweet at us. We are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody out there a chef for the Broncos? Please let us know. But, or the yeah, Oakland Raiders, man. I bet you they eat even more, speaking of big oh, offensive lines that put up some masks. Yeah, when when you're talking about uh, – well, Hudson, I guess he is that one – he's the small guy at 300 pounds. And then you got, you know, 335-pound guys, 340-pound guys all throughout this offensive line. They are just a behemoth of a group. It It is just crazy. And I, I remember last year – this was one of the, the big areas that the Broncos really struggled. That first game against Oakland, they they ran the ball 43 times for 218 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. They just ran over the Broncos. What did they do? They they have like that seventh or, or sixth or seventh offensive lineman come in, and they just pretty much said, we're just going to let you guys play your base package and uh, just see if you can stop us. And that was not the case. When we have – Defensive ends that are weighing about 275 going against 330-pound men, that just doesn't end well. Yeah, Crick and Ray had exceptionally poor games in that one. And Todd Davis and the linebackers, too. That was just a – that's a game you want to forget. That was kind of an announcement that Oakland was, once again, for real, at least as a playoff contender. And uh, they took it to that Bronco defense last year. So, luckily, we have added some beef on our end as well. Uh, Pecco and Gatsis are playing – awesome in terms of uh, stopping the run and uh, Shelby Harris as well deserves a shout out. And I think this is going to be a pretty, pretty fun, 
hardcore, a lot of intensity matchup between the Broncos defensive line and the Raiders offensive line. But you touched on it. They just have some, just some monsters. Uh, it all starts with my opinion in Rodney Hudson. He is playing like the best center in football right now, according to pro football focus. And you said small at 300 pounds. I couldn't help but laugh. He, he is just, I mean, he moves very well. He played at Florida state and was drafted by Kansas city and played great there and earned the big contract from the Raiders. Uh, so far this season, Pro Football Focus has him with a grade of 87 overall, which is the second best grade for center, uh, an 82.4 pass blocking grade, and an 86.3 run blocking grade, number one pass blocking grade, number three run blocking grade, and has not allowed a pressure in 99 pass blocking set snaps so far this season. So playing great, uh, very technical, good at getting to the second level, good at doing combo blocks. And with him working between those two monster guards, you have a uh, Cleccio simile and Gabe Jackson, who just earned that huge $55 million contract from the Raiders sidebar. How good was that Raiders draft class? And what was it? 2014. It took Mac Carr, and Gabe Jackson. <sighs> that that honestly changed the franchise. That's did. what did it. It was that draft. It did. They, they were in cap hell. They had to have a great draft to, to do anything. And all those players, they're earning these big contracts. Like you said, Gabe Jackson getting $55 million. Derek Carr is about to get paid here pretty soon he's gonna probably i guess sorry he already got paid <laughs> Man, oh yeah yeah he already got paid yeah he and yeah khalil mack he's that guy that's still left that they have to go pay and so all of a sudden these big names like assembly hudson cooper, Penn, too, they have to pay cooper yeah they have to pay cooper too here pretty soon but that that draft class allowed them to bring in guys like assembly hudson and Penn to really completely change this entire offensive line and Man, this this unit, it is a thing of beauty to watch. I I hate giving the Raiders compliments, but this is one area that they are just so dominant. And it, it completely changed everything. And and I keep telling people, Derek Carr, I think he is a very good quarterback, but he is vastly helped by having a very good run and pass blocking offensive line that takes a lot of pressure off of him. He's got weapons on the outside and he still has a lot of the same issues that he had his rookie year. He just has better playmakers and better players all around him that, that make him look a little bit better. I'm not saying that he's a bad quarterback. I'm just saying, I think he gets a little bit hyped up more than, than some people should, in my opinion. And maybe that's just my, my, my Raider hate coming out a little bit there, but I, I truly believe that because we saw like against Washington, he struggled. When pressure came into his face, when the offensive line wasn't doing quite their job, when the team fell behind and they couldn't really just bully people with the run game, he struggled. He had maybe one of his worst games as a pro, if not his worst game, and which is crazy to say right after he gets his big contract and he goes out and puts that kind of game together. And But like I said, this offensive line, if you really want to see what good offensive line play looks like in 2017 in the NFL, this is what you got. It's hard to find, but this is one team you can find it on. I agree completely. And what's fun to do is compare them to the Dallas Cowboys. There are two main blocking philosophies in the run game. There is the zone blocking and there is the power blocking. And with the Cowboys, you have phenomenal unison and athletes in the zone stretch and just the inside zone plays where they get guys moving laterally. I mean, classic Gibbs offensive blocking. But then you have the Raiders who have a different mentality where it's like, we are literally just going to be big, huge, 
long and push you off the spot and stop us. So, I, I mean, they're both beautiful to watch, but they get it done in different ways and they are effective. So as somebody who likes to watch offensive and defensive line, they are a fun one to watch when they go up against other teams and just impose their will, which they can do. But I think they're going to have more trouble doing that this week. Uh, as good as Osimile and Penn and Hudson and Jackson all are, the right tackle is not the best. Uh, Marshall Newhouse, he's bounced around the league. He played some games for the Packers in early in his career, and then he played some games with the Giants. And he's he's more of a swing tackle this year from Pro Football Focus, uh, 29th overall. But I think partially that's maybe some effect of the offensive line and just the offense so far. The Raiders really haven't gone up against uh, any great edge rushers as well. I mean, besides... I wouldn't say Washington is anybody great on the edge. Preston Smith was giving them all they could handle. You know, they got Kerrigan and some other guys, but nothing like what the Broncos have gone against so far where Ingram and Lawrence like lead the league in sacks. And then uh, Hughes and Lawson actually had pretty good games last week. So I think if there's anybody attack on that offensive line, it's that right tackle. And with the Broncos adding so much beef to the defensive line with better play from Shelby Harris, revenge game from Shelby Harris also, former team. He was with the Raiders before, with Pecco and with Gatsis and with Todd Davis playing better and better every week. Let's let's be real about that. I think that the Broncos have a decent shot to win enough matches up front where they can stay in this game and not get steamrolled like the last time they played Oakland in Oakland. Now, that added defense, uh, the added weight up front, and just better better run stuffers is going to make a difference, especially against Marshawn Lynch, who looks he looks a little slow to me. I'm going to be honest. He looks just a little bit slow. Maybe it's the new scheme. Maybe it's not having the very mobile Russell Wilson holding that edge a little bit because he could take off on a bootleg. But Marshawn Lynch looks okay, not great, just a little bit old. Yeah. When, when he can get some momentum going, he looks like the Marshawn Lynch of old. But he takes a little bit to get going. He needs that offensive line to really get that push to – to really keep him going. And I just, like you said, this game is going to be one of their tougher ones to actually be able to do that because the Broncos have not backed down from any offensive line so far. They've been the ones getting the push, the ones that have lived in the backfield and, and coming to mile high. That's another part of this equation. They don't have that luxury of knowing the snap count. They're going to get the same snap as the Broncos defense knows. And that plays a huge role in how much push they can get. So Broncos got a good opportunity here and they need it because the Raiders, that is one thing that they have have struggled with so far is when they get into third and long situations, they only complete them. Third and long is eight yards and beyond. And they are two of eight so far this year. Now understand most teams have not got them into third and eight very long, very many times. They are third in the league right now for fewest attempts on third and long. The two teams ahead of them are Tampa Bay and Miami. You know what they have in common? They've only played two games. <laughs> yeah. So Raiders, they, they do a great job of winning on first and second down, getting themselves in very, very nice third and reasonable situations. And that opens up a whole playbook. You know, when, when, <laughs> when it's third and three and you can run a quick slant plant pattern, a comeback pattern, or you can go deep, you got everything to you. And teams can't play just for the boundary or for the, the first down. They have to defend the entire field and the run game's available to them too. So they're, they're, Broncos have to win on first and second down. That, that's, that's key for this team. Yeah, you're very correct. And it also opens up play action, which if you want to script some big shots, you know, buy a little bit of time, get, get them over the top, especially with the safety coming down a linebacker or a cornerback getting caught flat footed on a double move. That play action just adds so much explosion downfield passing to an offense. So if the Broncos can keep them to third and eight and just make them 
stall. You know, not they don't have to hold the Raiders to like what they held Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not expecting that the rest of the season, just because that was even against a not great running game, that would have been incredibly outstanding. So I'm not expecting that. But if they can hold the Raiders to under 70 yards rushing and about under three, under three and a half yards per carry, the Broncos defense is going to be doing the dictating at least when the Raiders have the ball in this game. Exactly. Well, we better keep moving on here as we got lots to get to. And we could talk about those two units all get this entire podcast if we wanted to, but there's plenty of other matchups that look great. And and one of them, and I kind of did this every other kind of mind, mindset. And, and this is one where the Broncos have a great opportunity to really control this game. And that is the Broncos offensive line. And of course the running game of CJ Anderson and Jamal Charles against the Raiders front seven. That is beyond, beyond Khalil Mack. Mario Edwards is a pretty good player. They just don't have a whole lot. This is this is the weak link of, of this team, in my opinion. And right now, Oakland is 20th in yards allowed rushing and 18th in yards per carry. Of course, Broncos are third in rushing and 10th in yards per carry. And this was where I wrote an article earlier that, uh, earlier today about the five players that need to step up. And I kind of cheated a little bit because I included a coach. And Mike McCoy was my coach that I included. Because this past game, he really got away from the run game. Broncos, until the very, very end, were not down by two scores. There's no reason to abandon the run game until you get down by at least two scores later in the game. But after the first half and the first drive of the second half, Broncos only had five carries after that. Now, some of that is we had the two turnovers that really kind of shortened drives. But there's just a lot of times it just seemed like we were trying to force the the pass game and just made life very, very difficult for, for the entire team. When you become one-dimensional, it gets very easy for the defense. And that, those first two games for the Broncos, that was, honestly, that, that was our pass game, was run game set up the pass. Run game was so dominant that the defense had to, to really work to defend that. So then it set up the play action. It opened up many easier passing lanes for, for Trevor Simeon. It was easier matchups where you could see the one-on-one matchups. And that just didn't happen this past game. So Broncos... They have to get back to establishing that great dominant run game. And I'll, I'll give it to the Bills. They had a great defense. They had a great game plan and can't take that away from them. They did a great job in a game that not many were giving them chance, giving them a chance. You and I both included in that. And, but this is a, a great game to really get things right on the, on the offensive side. They have to go win this with some offensive play. Yeah, and the Raiders' defense, I mean, as good as their offense is, their defense is susceptible. If there's any reason that they are not going to make the playoffs or make a run into the playoffs, it's because their defense is not good, and it was exposed last week. One thing that you touched on, McCoy, you know, needing to have a better game, uh, one thing that I really hope that he utilizes that I don't think he utilized enough last week was the running backs as receivers. That is something that through the first few games, C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles have made momentum swinging plays when they've been receivers, designing plays to get them in space and get them outside against cornerbacks, slower linebackers, and safeties. And the Raiders absolutely sucked last week in trying to stop Chris Thompson, the Redskins running back, in the pass game. I believe C.J. Anderson only had one or two catches last week. Jamal Charles only had one or two. Those guys need combined need to come up with at least 10, 10 catches this week because that is a very easy way to... Play it safe with the pass game, you know, not do too much with the uh, turning the ball over. You know, you have less chance of anything with the running backs and just attaching a uh, plain matchups. The Raiders linebacking core is not very good. They're slow. I mean, Bruce Irvin's solid as a kind of a tweener type where he'll come down and rush the edge 
and he can play some in space, but he's not great in coverage. He's a little stiff. Outside of that, you know, they have Reed James and Markel Lee, who's a rookie, who I liked from Wake Forest, but just a little bit slow. So I, I really think that's the area that you want to attack. And if the Broncos' offensive line can win up front and get CJ and those blockers to the second level and create second-level windows for the running game, that could spell some huge, huge carries for the run game as well. So I'm not super impressed with the Raiders' defense, besides Cleo Mack. I mean, he's still one of the top three or four defensive players in the league. And I do really like Mario Edwards just as a a jack-of-all-trades. He's what I wish Demarcus Walker was. Like, if we were taking that B-gap rusher that can play some edge and then kick inside, you want the guy with that kind of athleticism and length and, you know, a great athlete. You need a freak athlete that can play both those sides. And I'm not sure that Demarcus Walker will be that guy. But that's neither here nor there. We'll find that out in a few a few years, I guess. But, yeah, the Broncos have to not get away from the run game this week. I do question how much of the uh, the getting away from the run was McCoy's calling compared to Simeon making checks at the line. I've heard that a lot of it was Simeon making checks at the line, going from a called run play, and they have a certain look because the Bills were crowding the box and they had a matchup that they liked, and Simeon would make the correct decision on it from what he saw to call a play, but they just weren't executing that pass play. So we'll see if they take that away somewhat this week and just stick with the run because even against unfavorable looks, the Broncos were running for the four and a half to five yards of carry against the Bills. So they got to stick on that ground game, help that defense out, and, I mean, that's just the – that's what the identity of the offense needs to be going forward if this team is going to grind out wins with the defense and a much improved offensive line and great depth at running back. I told Raiders fans this last year, and I, I said it again after seeing them in the, in the preseason, that they didn't look much better. That Last year, they lived off the turnover. They were very much a, a bend and give a lot. They'd even give up a lot of big plays and just the hope that you would mess up at some point somewhere down the field. And it's cringeworthy to watch their defense. As good as their offense is, it's kind of like the opposite of the Broncos. As good as our defense is, our offense was cringeworthy last year. It's complete opposite for the Raiders. And like you said, the eight-man box, something that that I saw for a stat was that C.J. Anderson, he had four carries when there was eight defenders in the box last last week. He had 34 yards. That's uh, that's pretty impressive, actually. That's over eight yards a carry when I going against – I think 32 of those came on – did 32 of those come on one single play, though? It might have. I, I can't quite remember. But still, I, it's there's times you still have to make that run call. You still have to force a team to have to try to defend that and and make them question what you're going to do. That was always the great thing last week was, or two weeks ago, was so often Broncos could be in a pass, look, and run. Or they could be in a run, look, and pass. And the Cowboys and the Chargers were both having to try to guess of what in the world the Broncos were going to do out of every formation and checking to a pass every single time. It just, it makes it where they can tee off on you. They can know that if they stick eight in the box, you're going to switch to a pass play and that they can just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. So I, I, I hope that they show a little bit more discipline and just going ahead and trying to run it on some of those plays. And, and the Raiders, like I said, they're a great team to do that against. They give up a lot of yards and if you don't turn the ball over, we, we got into that last week. You talked about it being a, a very key to the game. We'll talk about that here in just a bit. But if you don't turn the ball over, you got a very good chance of controlling this game through the offense, keeping your defense on the sideline, keeping them well-rested, and keeping that Raider offense out of sorts. And the two guys that can do that, C.J. Anderson, Jamal Charles, they have been amazing in the run game. 
just can't get away from them. I do want to touch on quickly, the Raiders do have a rookie on the defensive line and us being draft guys, he's somebody that I don't remember if you were so much a fan of him, but I had him in the third round in a few mocks and was a fan fan of him. I remember interviewing him at the Combine as well, and that is uh, defensive tackle Eddie Vanderdose out of UCLA. He's a guy who dealt with a number of injuries while at UCLA, but was a five-star recruit. I don't remember if he committed to Notre Dame or played his first year at Notre Dame and transferred, but I know there was something where he went to, he had something to do with Notre Dame, but ended up going to UCLA. And his sophomore year, he was amazing, but then he had an ACL injury that zapped him of a lot of his strength. And honestly, he looked a little bit uh, chubby to me last year. Just he looked a little overweight, you know, winded, not in enough plays. So far this year, though, he has been just a, a wrecking ball on that defensive line. He's more of a one technique type where he can eat up some blockers and wreck a gap. But he's a guy that I think the Broncos left tackle or left guard is going to have some issues with, whether that be Barber or Garcia. I actually remember our AFC West draft breakdown, and I said Eddie Vanderdose was their best pick. I was with you. I, I like this guy. I thought he had a lot of potential. I was kind of in that same boat of, I thought his injury was more of the reason his last year in college wasn't that great. And from what I, I heard from a lot of people, the senior bowl, he was just destroying people and just really showing that same explosion that he showed before. So I, I was big on him. I, I wouldn't have minded the Broncos taking him, especially to help out in the run game. I didn't view him as a great pass blocking option, but enough where he can push the pocket back and, and at least cause quarterbacks not to be able to step up. So I, I thought that was a good pick for the Raiders, and I said he was the one guy that I could really see starting and doing well, at least right off the bat. I think they have some other players with potential, but my biggest issue with their first two picks was just some some red flags came up. They had the the corner that, of course, was being accused of some some very bad things and not knowing exactly how that was going to turn out. There's a lot of teams that pretty much took him off their draft board because they weren't sure how that was going to play out. Second round pick, they picked... Uh, there's also Obi Melifonwu, who's their second round pick and was supposed to come in and be that safety, that athletic freak. And I, I, I didn't like the pick just because he he was kind of like Gatsas for us. And being that he just he has great potential, but you weren't going to see it year one. And now that he's injured, you're, of course, not seeing it. So th- they're missing a big piece there. And I-, I just wasn't a huge fan of their whole rookie class. Vanderdose, like I said, I-, I was a big fan of his. I thought that was a pretty good pick, especially when they lost a couple guys this offseason that, from that defensive line that wasn't great. But you know, when you go from not being great and then you lose two other guys still <laughs> and you don't do much to replace him, Vanderdose coming in, he's been a-, a good player for them, has shown up. And, and clogged some nice lanes, like you said. He's done well at the, the point of contact. I, I've, I've been impressed with him as a rookie compared to, to many other rookies, at least. So they, they have some playmakers. They have a few players. But this defense, they have some major holes that the Broncos have to win those battles. Yeah, agreed. And it's going to start, like I said, get the running backs involved and maybe even get the tight ends involved. I'm not impressed with our tight ends watching the – the game again, A.J. Derby, man, he has been really letting me down. He's not getting some good chips in, and he's very slow off the chip to peel off. But that's neither here nor there. I don't think the team is super happy with A.J. Derby either. But the Broncos have to keep pace this week. If they score less than 20 points, this is a loss. That means that the offense was probably not moving the ball very well. That means they didn't execute in the red zone. And Raiders probably going to score more than 20 on this, even with the Broncos' great defense. 
So offense needs to step up this week. They need to play better than they did against the Bills. Luckily, this Raiders defense is much worse. Now, we still have a lot to get to, but first we want to once again say thank you to our sponsor, MyBookie.net. MyBookie is all about the fun and excitement of making accurate predictions on your favorite sports teams without having to risk any of your hard-earned cash. Site members can make picks against real spreads, lines, and totals for major sports leagues and associations, as well as college sports, and compete for great prizes courtesy of MyBookie. MyBookie.net is the greatest, most professional, and most importantly, and most importantly, totally free recreational sports prediction service you can find on the internet. Instead of the typical head-to-head challenges and handicapping contests, MyBookie.net goes beyond the basics and offers members a true betting platform that will make users feel like they were in a real betting site. Unlike most betting services, MyBookie.net is a completely free site that allows you to make daily predictions and bets and win real prizes at no cost. MyBookie is not a gambling or play-for-money site. It's a free sports wagering website built for millions of sports fans to provide them with a platform to participate in picking games and competing for free prizes without risking any money. Just like the office pick'em contests and fantasy football, MyBookie brings a deeper enjoyment and excitement to watching our favorite teams play and increase the stakes. It is fun, and for no cost, you get to make predictions and qualify for prizes. Again, the service is absolutely free for all users to use. And we want to say thank you to MyBookie.net for sponsoring the Huddle Up podcast. Now, moving on to our next matchup that is worth discussing, we want to talk about some guys that I wouldn't say that they had a bad game last week, but compared to their incredibly high level that we are used to, the Broncos trio at cornerback of Tlaib, Chris Harris, and Bradley Roby did not have the level game that us fans have grown accustomed to. Now, specifically, I, Chris Harris. I thought Chris Harris struggled the most. He had some crossing patterns that he missed, and he, he did struggle some up with uh, Jordan Matthews, who does have a pretty significant size advantage on Harris. I thought Tlaib and Roby played solid, but Chris Harris Jr., probably one of his bigger letdown games since the 2015 Antonio Brown game when the Steelers wide receiver burnt Chris Harris Jr. a few times. But Tlaib and Harris have been fairly good this season. Uh, Both have given up TDs so far, but I mean, the Broncos have been selling out more to stop the run and leaving the secondary more vulnerable. And it's showing because they're stopping the run, but teams are getting a little bit more through the air than they have in the past. Uh, They did a great job against Des Bryant in week two, um, only allowing five catches for 43 yards, but that included 13 pass attempts and two interceptions. So that was a a pretty good job against a very good and talented big wide receiver. So this week they have a pretty pretty challenging matchup. Josh Norman shut down these two. Well, and let's give a shout out to Breland, who as well from Clemson, who's the cornerback number two for the Redskins, who's honestly one of the better young cornerbacks in the league right now. But the Raiders... Wide receiver group struggled last week. I mean, you have, obviously, you have Amari Cooper, former first-round pick from Alabama. Michael Crabtree, who right now is questionable for next week. He's probably going to play, but he is questionable. Um, And they also have deep threat, big guy, Cordell Patterson, and third wide receiver that they like to use fairly often in Seth Roberts, who's not a great third wide receiver, but can get it done. He has some size as well. But the big two that you want to focus on are, obviously, um, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. And I'm hoping that Crabtree does not bring his gold necklace to the stadium this time. <laughs> not if he wants it snatched off again. I was reading a stat earlier today that really shocked me. A lot, a lot of times when we look at, especially Amari Cooper, people have just been going crazy that he should maybe be talked about along that, that top five, top seven wide receivers in the NFL right now. And he's actually been struggling quite a bit lately. His last 12 games, he only has 43 catches for 477 yards and only four touchdowns. And last week, of course, he only had the the one catch for six yards. 
that just seems crazy for a number one wide receiver, top five pick guy that everybody was hyping up big time. And, and it, on, he, he does deserve it in many ways. He's put up a lot of good stats. He's that tough wide receiver to he's he's one of the best route runners that I see in the NFL right now. He has incredible footwork to be able to get himself open in a hurry. He and Edelman are the two guys that I always look at and say, these guys know how to run routes. Emmanuel Sanders, he belongs in that group too. He, he does it a great job of getting open in a hurry. But I, I just, I guess I haven't been all that impressed with Cooper. And I watched the, the Washington game and it looks like he has kind of a confidence issue right now. He has six drops already this year, which is double any other wide receiver in the NFL. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. It just seems like the the entire offense at times is just really out of sync. And Michael Crabtree, he's kind of that either boom or bust kind of guy. He either has this really big game and kind of like two weeks ago, 80 some yards and three touchdowns. And he was sitting on my bench in fantasy football. The one time I have a Raiders player. And then, of course, I stick him in the next week and then he doesn't do much. <laughs> so goes fantasy football. But yeah, these two, they, they are two big playmakers. They have opportunities to have really, really big games. But so far this year, they've just not really done what they did the year before, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they have struggled somewhat, and I'm not sure if it's Carr or the wide receivers, but Cooper did have some drops his rookie year, and last year that seemed to go away a little bit, but it's, it's rearing its head again. And that's something that makes me happy as a Michael Crabtree owner. Uh, but for real... Um, they're struggling, and I think that they are somewhat overrated as a duo. They're great athletes, and they... Wendy's new French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me, did you just say Wendy's new French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Run pretty routes, but if they're not hauling it down, that's a, a big issue. Crabtree to me also, he just doesn't have the same juice since he got injured. He's still a phenomenal red zone weapon. I mean, he's a great at uh, contested catches and... Um, going up for the ball, you know, just be able to contort his body and really focus and bring down some tough catches where Cooper is a little more of the athlete who can play inside or outside. But I think that they are somewhat of an overrated duo. And after the no-fly zone, not having the, the best game last week, I'll call it average. They had an average game, which is an F to their standards. But they had an average game. And I think that with coming back to the home fans and knowing how big of a game this is, especially with – how the Raiders played against them. Um, granted, the Broncos beat them, but that was when Derek Carr was injured. Last time, both teams were decently stacked and healthy. The Raiders beat up on the Broncos, and I think the no-fly zone is going to have something to say about that because they are the, the unit that leads this team this year and for the past few years. Well, one thing to keep in mind, though, Aqib Tlaib did not play that game, that first game. I and remember that was that right. Was, gouging. Right, and, and Roby, that, he went from the Chargers game where he was, I think, wasn't he defensive player of the week? for the AFC and then he goes to the, to the Raiders game and he just got picked on. He just couldn't quite keep up. He got out muscled. He got out classed. And so having to keep to lead for this game, he can, uh, to me, you just put him on Michael Crabtree all game and, and just pretty much call that a, a, a good matchup. 
And I, I think he would win that matchup really well and really cause some, some major issues because he's, he's a physical guy. He doesn't back down from those physical kind of wide receivers, and he loves those 50-50 balls. Those are some of his favorites. So, And, and I think he can bait Derek Carr into maybe one really bad pass. I don't know. I, I just see that kind of happening. And Amari Cooper, that's a, a Chris Harris kind of matchup. Those quick-footed guys that can get open in a hurry either way, put Chris Harris on him. And I don't know. And, and Broncos, they don't play matchups. And at times I understand because, hey, you got three great cornerbacks, let them line up, show what they can do. But there's just times where I wish that they'd play a little bit more matchup football because I think it just makes so much sense to have have Tlaib on Crabtree and Harris on Cooper. Just makes too much sense to me. I do like them switching it up, though, because it makes it makes Carr and the receivers think a little bit because they all have a little bit of a different style where you have Chris Harris, who's not as much of a jammer at the line. And Tlaib, who's more of a jammer and who can bait as well. And then Roby, who's kind of a the B-plus version of both of them. So I like that they can move them around and, you know, just switch up the matchups a little bit. But I think that, like I said, after a not the best matchup last week by the no-fly zone, I think this week the cornerbacks step up. Not that they had a bad game. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, he was very efficient. He just didn't pass it that much. But I think he was 20 for 26. So hopefully they're hitting Carr a little bit more, keeping him in the pocket, and uh, playing a little bit more aggressive with those wide receivers this week. And finally, the, the matchup that probably most Bronco fans are the most concerned about uh, because of the, what happened with this matchup, this positional matchup at least, two times ago when the Raiders came to the Broncos. The Broncos right tackle versus Khalil Mack. Now, this might be an area where we have to just accept that there's going to be a number of times where Malenalek Watson is going to get beat. And it's not necessarily because Menelik Watson is a bust or a horrible player or a terrible signing by Elway, yada, yada. He didn't he struggle the first two games. He was actually pretty good this last week. But Khalil Mack is a phenomenal player. I mean, outside of Von Miller, I don't think there's another player, defensive player in the NFL right now I would rather have than Khalil Mack. And he is going to give the Broncos on that right side of the line all they can handle. He is the reigning defensive player of the year. Um, hopefully that will not be the case after this season where Vaughn finally brings that home. But I mean, just phenomenal player, super strong fourth, fourth overall pick in that amazing class that the, the Raiders had in, I believe it was 2014 and Broncos are going to have to scheme to do what they can to make sure that Cleo Mack does not beat you. We've talked smack about this Raiders defense. The rest of the defense is not that good. I mean, they do have some playmakers here or there, but the rest of the defense is not that good. But Cleo Mack can wreck a game for you, just like Von Miller wrecked the Panthers in the Super Bowl. It just takes one big play or six or four sacks, whatever he did against Michael Schofield, RIP, <laughs> uh, at least in the Broncos roster. Oh, boy. But yeah, yeah, that was man, make an adjustment, Kubiak and Dennison. Make an adjustment. <laughs> Give him some help. And, and this is where, yeah, Bruce Irvin on the other side, he isn't anybody that should scare Bronco fans. And Garrett Bowles. He has been a very impressive rookie. I don't think I can under understate that for how good, when you consider how terrible the offensive line play is, especially coming into the NFL, people saying that this was one of the worst offensive line drafts in possibly NFL history. Fake news. Yeah. <laughs> and here comes Garrett Bowles, and all he's done is have, he's just gotten better each week, in my opinion. And, and, and especially when you factor in, he was taken off in a cart two weeks ago. Obviously, it wasn't as bad of injury as, as some thought at the moment. 
thankfully, <laughs> oh man, I, I, I think I had to do a little dance when I saw that he was going to play this week. I, I just couldn't believe it. But yes, that kind of matchup. I think he can win one-on-one against Bruce Irvin. And if you're going to help out, you help out Watson. You just trust that Bowles, he's going to do well on his side. You trust the other guys that they're going to do pretty well because Paradis, he's done great at the center position. Leary, he had a down game this last one, but he should he's still a very, very solid player. Left left guard, well, <laughs> it is left guard. But Connor McGovern. There you go. I oh man. I I was I was getting so mad every time that I saw Garcia in this last week. Just seemed like every time I saw him, he was like getting shoved straight back and giving up a pressure or allowing a big play in the run game. It just I, I thought Barber should have been starting the entire game. I agree. Barber looked much better. And also yeah. if the left guard position still struggles this week, I think we should start a Twitter campaign at LA and the Broncos. <laughs> McGovern for LG week five or week six, I guess. Boom. I like it. Gives them a bye week to prepare. Gives them a bye week. Yeah, exactly. That that'd be perfect. But like I said, you, you gotta help out Watson. You cannot pull a Kubiak, you can't pull a Denison. You can't just leave him out there against one of the best defensive players in the NFL and just say, Hey, good luck, young man. Hope you have a good game. It, it just you can't do that. That's stupid. You have tight ends. Our tight ends haven't done much anyway. Might as well leave them in there to to do a little little bump and then go out in their their route. Doesn't really hurt that much. I, I don't know. It just it bothers me when I see that kind of game plan where you're just kind of going, oh, we're just, we trust our guys. Well, I understand that to a point, but there is a point where you have to say, we know we're getting beat here, or we know that we are outclassed at this spot. That's okay to admit. You have weaknesses. They have weaknesses. You exploit theirs. They try to exploit yours. Don't give them an easy route for, for Khalil Mack just to destroy a game. He, he did that one time against the Broncos. He made a pretty much everybody was – talking about Mac being the greatest player in the NFL after he destroyed Schofield. And I'm going, he's like the third player in a row that has had a career game against Schofield. <laughs> this, this shouldn't be something that shocks people. He had a great game. Can't take that away from him, but uh, you, you just can't do that to a young guy like Watson or Schofield back then. You got to do something. And so hopefully the Broncos do a little bit of chipping, running back, kind of lean in that way, make sure that they help out in protection and just can't let Khalil Mack beat you. Yeah, and he's still going to get his, too. I mean, he's just too good of a player that he will get home in the run game or the pass game or just create some pressures a few times. I mean, that's that's the way it is because greatness will come through in some point, in some way. And the Broncos just need to do their best to game plan around it and do enough elsewhere and win enough in another spot so that you don't let that one big play or just the cumulative effect of Mack over time wreck the progress you can make on offense this game. But yeah, that's uh, that's one to watch. And hopefully Von Miller can uh, further himself in the sack race against Mac this week and catch up to Lawrence and uh, Ingram, who have a commanding lead with six and a half and six sacks through three weeks. Maybe that Watson guy is not that bad. I mean, maybe he's just had some really tough matchups to start. I mean, everybody's been struggling against those two to start the year. And it doesn't get easier with Mac this week. And then after the bye week, they got, JPP and Oliver Vernon. And then after that, you got Holly Ford and Justin Houston. So, and then the chargers again. So this, this is the life of the AFC West right now is just yeah. insane for the tackles. It's, it's, it's a gauntlet every week. It, <laughs> there's, there's hardly any letdown when, when Jerry Hughes is your letdown game, 
Oh my goodness. That's, <laughs> that's impressive what they have to go through. I honestly don't think I've ever seen anything like it looking at their schedule. I mean, seriously. And to even like we, then we have the Eagles who have Brandon Graham, who's probably the most underrated edge rusher in football right now. Uh, we honestly don't have a game against a team that lacks edge rushing talent until we finally go against the new England Patriots. And that's not to take away from flowers or, uh, Weiss, they just do not have the talent at that position. I mean, they have the number 32 ranked fantasy defense right now for a reason. I can tell you that because they've screwed me in a few leagues already. (laughs) (laughs) So it's crazy. Yeah, that it is. Well, moving on, we have uh, our our X Factor section of of the podcast. And uh, looking at our our two guys we picked last week, I picked Mendelik Watson. And he really did have a nice bounce back game. Only gave up one pressure the the entire game. Wasn't outstanding in the run game, but he wasn't terrible either. That's been the one area that has been a strength for him. And so I was I was very impressed with his bounce back game. He had Bronco fans ready to ship him out of town, bring in any kind of free agent. Um, I had some guys that oh I think they weigh like two hundred fifty pounds telling me oh I could get out there and they could pay me what they're paying him. And I think I'd do a better job. And (laughs) like you said, he's had some very tough matchups. So for him to bounce back, especially against a guy like Jerry Hughes, I I thought he did a really good job and held his own. And he's going to be another one. Like I said, we already talked about it. He's got to step up again this week. But your guy, DT, when I looked up his stats, I was kind of shocked almost. Six catches, 98 yards. I just didn't feel like he had that kind of game. Man, I did. I was, they were peppering him with targets and he was coming down with a lot of them. He was running some great routes and he flashed again in the, uh, in the all 22 that I watched just today when I was working on my Garrett Bulls piece. So, I mean, they did attack that target, but I feel, I don't understand. They're throwing the ball to Sanders so much and I get Sanders. It seems he has better chemistry with Simeon, but you got to work on that matchup as well. And DT had gains who gave up quite a few inches and pounds to DT and he had a good game. I mean, he's, I don't think he's found the end zone yet this season, but I would not be surprised if that's coming this week. So, DT, I gave you that X factor. You didn't, you didn't let me down. So, good, good on you. All right. Well, who did you pick for this week? This week, I have Broncos linebacker Brandon Marshall. Now, he had an up-and-down game against the Bills. Uh, pretty solid in run defense. Um, he had a sack of Tyrod Taylor and had three run stops and two more stops in the past game. But he allowed five catches on five targets for 59 yards against the Bills. And McCoy and Clay had pretty good games, especially in the red zone. So Brandon Marshall, uh, the Raiders, besides Marshawn Lynch, he gets all the the publicity. But they also have some decent running backs in Richards and Washington who are more of the the speed scat back types. And the Raiders also have Jared Cook, who they signed in the offseason at tight end. So I'm looking for a better game from Brandon Marshall in pass coverage. And he's going to have to step up and have a solid run run stuffing game as well too. Like you talked about, keep the Raiders in uh less manageable third third downs. Very nice pick. Yeah, he for as bad as our depth is at the inside linebacker, Brandon Marshall definitely has to be that guy that steps up and shows he's the kind of the heart of the defense there in the middle. And uh, it was not a good game for him. I picked Demata Pecco and and this is a guy he's coming off actually a really good game. Against the Bills, he had a, a run defensive grade of 84.9, and he has just been such a, a breath of fresh air in the middle of this defense. Sylvester Williams, he had the decent 2015 season, but he always 
he, he just never quite got there. He never quite lived up to that first round billing. And I don't know, especially in the run game, he just always seemed to be getting pushed back. He couldn't handle those double teams. And so to now have Demata Pecco, who most uh, most Cincinnati Bengal fans were sitting there saying good riddance as he's getting kicked out the door. I'm sitting here saying, oh my goodness, this guy is a, a godsend for this defense. He has been just amazing at clogging up the middle, making it where there's just they're, they're not giving up space. They're not giving up the line of scrimmage. And it's allowing other guys to go make plays. Todd Davis, I think, has been the guy that has benefited the most by Demato Pecco coming into town. He's been able to, to run free. That fourth down play, was it against the Cowboys? Is that right? Uh, that fourth and one against the Cowboys where he just had a complete clear lane right to Ezekiel Elliott. I think that's I right. I think you're right. I yeah, think, I think you're that's right. right. Yeah. And, but that, that's a lot of Pecco. That's what he does. And I just love it. And this is a great game. You talked about it where Rodney Hudson, he is the – the heart of that offensive line. He is incredible. He's that, you said it, he's what, first in pass blocking as a center and third in run blocking. Is that right? Or is it reversed? Yes. And so this is this is about as tough as it gets for him. And so if he can win that matchup up there in the middle, it just makes life easier for everybody else. And like you said with Brandon Marshall, getting those third and long situations has to happen with your nose tackle winning up the middle. Actually, it was Todd Davis against the Chargers. Oh, okay, okay. I, well, either way, it's still a a big play. That's that's what you need, and and that happens when your upfront guys take on their blocks, allow the linebackers to be free to go make a play. Yep, and he's been playing better too. So, somebody to both linebackers have looked pretty solid actually so far this year. We've been stopping the run pretty well. They're just a little bit slow in pass coverage, and Justin Simmons has probably been the guy who's been struggling the most outside of the team lacking interior pass rush but overall defense looks good and pecco has been a huge part of that not only talking about his play on the field but off the field i feel like pecco is probably one by the end of the season people are going to look at him as one of the main leaders on this team agreed he was always i think he was what like a two or three time captain for cincinnati Bengals, if not more yeah all right well moving on we are going to for the second week talk about the uh, game plan where carl and i will either be the Broncos or their opponent and talk about how we would attack just how the smart areas where we think would be smart to attack the opposing team. And this week, because Carl was greedy and wanted to be the Broncos last week, I get to be the Broncos versus the Raiders. That means Carl has to be the Raiders. So really he loses in the end, in my opinion. But first we're going to start with the Broncos having the ball on offense with the Raiders on defense. And if I am McCoy, we've talked, talked about it a little bit on here, but I am going to double and chip the living heck out of Mac. I am not letting Mac wreck this game. I am letting Bowles, who's, I mean, he's been somewhat up and down. Some of his problems that he had at Utah are still the problems that he has right now, but that's not that surprising considering, what is it, week four of his rookie year. Um, if you are a VIP for Milo Heddle, my Bulls article came out right before we started recording this. So that's a film review of his game last week. Um, but yeah, leave, leave Bulls out there and chip the heck out of Mac. Don't let him beat you. Uh, get the running backs involved in the pass game. Chris Thompson, like we talked about for the Redskins, went off against the Raiders' defense. And they are vulnerable that way. And the way the Broncos' offense has looked great in the first two weeks, they're running the ball well, but also in the past game, they're giving their running backs a chance to make plays in space. And that's something with the Raiders' second or the Raiders linebackers looking pretty slow. That's something I would look to do. And also the Raiders' secondary is not very good. They do have a decent pair of safeties and former first-round pick Carl Joseph – and uh, I think maybe even Reggie Nelson was a former first-round pick as well. 
but he's much older. He played for Cincinnati for a long time. Their safeties are solid, but their cornerbacks leave a lot to be desired. Sean Smith is questionable and hasn't played that great. Garyon Conley is being worked in slowly. Um, and David Amerson's decent length, but not that great of a cornerback. They overpaid him. I don't think he's a great fit for what they like to do on defense as well. It's something you have hammered on, I believe, in the past. But the guy that I want to attack is TJ Carey, cornerback for the uh, former seventh-round pick and cornerback for the Raiders. Right now he's the starting cornerback on their depth chart, and he has struggled with a capital S to start the year. So if I can isolate Carey and get either DT or Sanders against him, I am throwing that ball pretty much no matter what that direction. Not a bad plan. Well, my my plan for the Raiders is I guess it's similar to what the Bills did to the Broncos. And Vance Joseph, he said it after the game. He said they played us in a lot of heavy boxes yesterday. So we thought the passing game would be our advantage. And you hint, you hit on it. The Raiders cornerbacks are not that great. Their linebackers are not great in coverage. But I feel like my best chance to really do something on the defense is to put pressure on Simeon. Last week, I think he was two for eight when he was pressured for only 28 yards and an interception. He had the sixth worst off-target throws at 22.5% this last week. And a lot of that, like I said, it, it, it came when he was pressured or when he felt pressure. There's sometimes where he gets a little bit as skittish, which I can't blame him. Last year with how bad the offensive line was, how much the offensive line has struggled at times this year in the past game, he's going to feel a few few uh, ghosts or foot, yeah, what do they call that? Ghost steps or whatever it is coming after him. And so I don't blame that, but I want to put that into his mind that we're coming after him. And I guess I'm just going to have to trust my cornerbacks not to give up the big play, knowing that I'm probably going to give up that one big play, that one or two big plays. And I can live with that if maybe I can force Simeon to have to make a quick decision. And when he has to make quick decisions, sometimes he will force the ball into a place where it shouldn't be. We saw last week where he had the two really bad interceptions where he's throwing it where he never should have been. The, the pass where he's actually pretty much throwing it away. I don't even know what he was doing. <laughs> I don't know, but that's what I would do. I just have to trust my cornerbacks. I would pretty much dare them to put the ball in Trevor's hands and not that Trevor's a terrible quarterback or anything like that. I think he can win against teams that do that, but he's got to prove that. And the bills pretty much said, prove it. And he didn't do it this last week. So I'm going to try to do the same as the Raider, same with the Raiders of put pressure on them, bring blitzes, load up the box, stop the run game and see what happens. Well, that's a uh, pretty good plan, but too bad for you. The Raiders suck, and they're going to lose. <laughs> uh, I'm but, okay with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Although if the Raiders are looking for a GM, I'm available. Just, uh, <laughs> just throwing it out there. But yeah, no, when the Raiders are on offense and the Broncos are on defense, I am the Broncos defensive coordinator in this case, Joe Woods, and I'm looking to be physical with the Raiders at the line of scrimmage, specifically their wide receivers. Carr and Cooper are good at getting off, but the Raiders, out so far, Carr has not pushed the ball down the field at all. He has been very Alex Smith-like in terms of refusing to throw the ball more than 10 yards. So I'm going to crowd that line as best I can and be physical and take away those quick passes because that's, I mean, that's just how they are attacking right now. I don't know if it's the new offensive coordinator or if Cooper and Crabtree maybe are injured or something in that regard, but they just are really relying on those short passes. And if you can stop those and potentially jump one of those, you're going to have the Raiders one-dimensional relying on the run game. And then with the added benefit of the 
Uh, Denver defense being better against the run. That could really hurt the Raiders' ability to move the ball. And I'm also going to attack the line of scrimmage with run blitzes. I'm going to neutralize the interior gaps as best I can with Davis and Marshall. I'm expecting a lot of 21 personnel uh, with the Raiders, you know, heavier run looks because that is the strength of their team. And if you can keep them in areas where they're going to have to push the ball down the field more, uh, more six or more five and seven step drops, uh, because their run, their offensive line is good, but it's definitely built for the run game more than the pass game. Their guys are not the most fleet of foot and not the best movers in terms of the pass game. So if you can isolate them and get them in third and long and let Von Miller and Shaq and maybe even an emerging Adam Gotsis, Shelby Harris type pressure in the interior, I think that you can really hurt this Oakland run defense and control the game with the Broncos defense. Two stats that really stuck out to me when I was researching this game was that Carr actually has the quickest snap to throw time in the NFL at 2.22 seconds. And he has the second lowest air yards at something like 4.56 yards. Only Joe Flacco is worse or lower, I guess you could say. So it fits really well with your, your idea of attacking the short pass and forcing him to have to beat you long. I, I, I don't blame you for wanting to do that one bit. Here's, here's what I would do if I was the Raiders. Marshawn Lynch would not be starting at running back for me. I would be starting Washington. And you and I were talking about this before the show even started, that both of us completely noticed this. If, if there is running backs that can beat the Broncos, it is those quick guys to the outside, those guys that can bounce it outside. Cause we have some, we bulked up this year for the Broncos defense. And so if you can get a guy to the edge, they don't always have the speed. They also have some smaller guys on the edge. They've had guys like Demarcus Walker who they've put in. And I think they try to limit his snaps because they know teams try to take advantage of that. And so I'm going my, my quicker guy. I'm going my guy that can make a real big difference in the, the, the pass game. We saw with LaShawn McCoy last week. He, he didn't do a whole lot in the run game, but where his damage was was when they got a quick pass out to him and let him go make a play, make somebody miss. And uh, it, was, it was driving me crazy watching that game, just going, all right, we got him. Oh, no, we didn't stop him. I don't know how many times that was – my heart would jump up and then they would just be let down. And so Washington, he's one of those kind of guys. They, they use him as a, a punt returner and they like him to, to be able to make at least one guy miss in space. And so I'm putting him in, I'm working to try to establish a little bit more of a deep pass. If I can get that run game going to the outside, it can help set up my play action pass. So I can go a little bit deeper. I, I want to try to attack with Jared cook. Like you said earlier, Brandon Marshall struggled last week. I try to get Jared Cook lined up one-on-one, see if I can exploit that, especially in the red zone. And I don't know. I, I just I feel like that's what I would I would try to do. I, I think this Broncos defense lines up well with the Raiders offense. So this is going to be a tough matchup for them. I said that last week against the Bills. Maybe I shouldn't say those things anymore. <laughs> but You can say should. You say should. should. It's a precursor. It, it should match up well. But – yeah, if they're going to play me one-on-one on the outside, then I'm going to try to take advantage of that. I, I pay those guys. Crabtree's getting paid well. Cooper was a first-round pick, going to get paid well. Those guys are supposed to be premier players. I want to see if I can take advantage of them, even against all-pro-type players, and, and see what I can do. All right, well, what is our official last segment, I guess, besides picking the game score, is the what-to-watch area, just to key area where we think not a key player but a key area where we think will be the one of the main reasons that the broncos win or lose this week and last week i said the broncos linebackers and safeties because 
the tight end of the Bills and the LaShawn McCoy are good receivers. And I think that the way to attack this Broncos defense is up the middle through the air. Um, the linebackers aren't covering that great. And Justin Simmons, who I do like, is struggling right now. And that turned out to be the difference on defense. Um, the Broncos, specifically Simmons and Parks, uh, struggled to make plays and be where they needed to be. It's The chemistry will come, I believe. But right now, that is probably the weakest area on the defense, is that safety behind Darian Stewart. And the linebackers and safeties did a decent job of containing the run, but McCoy and Tyrod did able, were able to bounce out a few times, and there were some missed tackles in that regard. So that was definitely a, a key area. And as you touched on earlier, the my bonus key area last week, which was the, the biggest one, it's a key area every game, but I felt, felt especially with the Bills offense being one that had been struggling, turnovers. And two very stupid decisions by Simeon, there's no other way to put it, uh, killed a couple of big drives and changed the outcome of the game, in my opinion. So... Both of those things that were hit on, that were areas to watch, ended up being big struggles. And my choice was the offensive line interior because I I just thought if they could win, getting some push, giving C.J. Anderson some room, we'd really be able to just control this game, really control the clock, really take the the pressure off Simeon, and, and just really get the crowd out of it. That, that Bills crowd, I will give it to them. They are actually a very, very good crowd. They, they show up. They cheer loud. They put a lot of pressure on the team. I mean, I, I don't remember how many times did the Broncos go off sides. It, it was too many, <laughs> way too many. But Paradis, he looked good. He didn't give up a single pressure this past game. But Leary and Garcia, both of them just really, really struggled, I thought. Leary did pretty good in the past game, but the run game, he just didn't get the push that he's got in those first couple weeks. He had the one really good block when uh, when Jamal Charles scored his first touchdown for the Broncos. But beyond that, I just didn't see him being that Leary that we saw that was just destroying people. That game against the Cowboys, he was so fun to watch. That was such a great revenge game. I mean, he, he just showed them how stupid it was not to try to pay him. And so I loved it. I need to see that Leary again. But this week, and, and I know you said we don't go with players for this, but just it's the quarterback position, I guess you could say. And so I went with Trevor Simeon. One of his worst games, in my opinion, this past week. He, he looked good at times, and then other times he just looked completely lost. He threw that first interception, and he just he couldn't get his mojo back. And if he's going to be the quarterback of the future, there was a lot of people who wanted him to sign a long-term contract after two weeks into the season, get him while he's cheap, all that kind of talk. And, and it's not even possible anyway. It's not legal in the NFL right now. He has to finish out this year. But this past week showed why there is some pause and, and considering him that franchise quarterback moving forward. He has these times where he just doesn't see the field right. He doesn't quite make the best decisions. And, and he's gotten away with a couple in the first couple games. That Cincinnati game, or the, the Chargers game, he, he got away with one really early in that game where he made a terrible decision that should have been a pick six. And, and so just some of his decision-making, I need to see that cleaned up. I need to see him be able to get through his reads a little bit quicker. When that first read isn't open, can he reset and, and find another guy? And, and it just this team's going to look to him. They're going to follow how the quarterback goes. So if he bounces back, if he shows up good early in this game, I think the, the team could really get to flowing well. But if he allows that last game to get into his head, if the pressure gets to him, I don't know. We're, we're just going to have to wait and see on some of that. But I, I just, I'm interested to see how he bounces back after a bad game. Yeah, and it was a very poor game. Luckily, the like we touched on, the Raiders' back seven is 
pretty weak. So as long as Khalil Mack doesn't break him in half, I expect a bounce back game, at least statistically, but he's got to do a better job of making smart decisions and going through his progressions. Just too often I see him stick on that primary read and either force it to them or go immediately immediately to the check down. So I'm not sure what type of progression he can make there from week three to week four, but it was an issue with him last year, what I saw on tape. And when that primary read is open because of good scheming or just, you know, he just because the wide receiver makes a good play, he delivers some beautiful balls. But just going to that secondary read or getting to that check down in a position where you can give them the ball in time to make a play after the catch has just been lacking. And luckily, Raiders secondary and back seven are pretty poor. So this, if there's any chance to get a bounce back game, like I, as long as Mac doesn't kill him, this is it. So before we get out of here, we want to say thank you to our other sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Now, the last thing we want to touch on before we finally get out of here is the prediction of the game. And I think I went first last week, Carl. So this week, I will pan it off to you. Oh, man. The two games we won... I predicted the score 24-21 Broncos. One game we lost, I predicted 24-10. So I'm going to go 24-21 just because I think that's our, our lucky numbers for the Broncos. <laughs> and for me, I think that I am going to go – well, let me see. Using your logic, I thought the Broncos would lose against the Cowboys, and I said they'd win against the Bills. So I am going to go 30-23 Raiders. And I think that the – Broncos will struggle somewhat, and I, maybe I'm just being pessimistic with Simeon, but he did not play last week, and I'm, I'm crushed. I was starting to buy into the hype. I was starting to see maybe a little bit of a, a baby Kirk Cousins getting in there, but that last week was one of his worst games, and even with the Broncos' defense being great and the run game being great, it's still the quarterback position is the moneymaker. It's the most important thing, and the Raiders outclass us there. Nah, screw it. I'm going to pull Lee Corso. I'm going to throw off that mascot, mascot head and go with the other one. Broncos are going to win. Broncos <laughs> win 30-23. Go Broncos. Screw Boom. the Raiders. <laughs> Man, I was about to tell all of our uh, our listeners to really flame you on Twitter. Yeah, um, no, I did, the, I did the psych. I did the psych. I went with my heart in the end. We'll see what happens, but the, it's a must win. It's going to reflect huge on the coaching staff, especially coming off a loss like this. Both teams need this win so bad after very disappointing wins on the East Coast in week three. But it's mile high. I don't think there's a tougher place to play and Broncos come out on top. So don't flame me. I, I got to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm not a homer. If you guys have been following us for a while, I'm probably as far from a homer as you can get for being a fan of the Broncos. Some people might even accuse me a hater. I have been accused of being a hater, but that's just because I dig in my heels so hard trying to fight against the, the homeristic group think that can happen when things start getting too good. You know, everybody thinks their team is going to the Super Bowl, So, I like to combat that a little bit and say, now, wait, wait, wait a second. Have you considered this? Have you considered that? So I'm really fun at parties, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that will wrap up week four preview of the Huddle Up podcast. Uh, Broncos are two and one and head into the biggest game so far this season and what Carl and I are calling a must win. Broncos got to win these divisional home games if they're going to compete in the division, especially in the AFC West, which is shaping up to be the best division in all of football. Cannot Also can't afford to fall two games behind the Kansas City Chiefs, who for my record, are the second-best team in football right now behind the Atlanta Falcons. So you can find Carl on Twitter, at Carl Dumbler, MHH. 
and myself at Nick Kendall MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle and affiliate of scout.com and CBS Sports Digital Network. Uh, for you VIP listeners, my Garrett Bowles uh, top six plays of the game last week are six plays that kind of indicate some of his strengths and weaknesses um, is up there for you VIP listeners. So if you are interested in getting these film pieces, uh, make sure you're leaving a comment and entering to win the free VIP because I do a film piece about every week. And I'll, I'll put a little tidbit out there uh, for you listeners, you know, a film piece that I recorded because Carl's a saint. I'll take pictures with my phone and then send them to Carl on his Facebook Messenger. So that way I can watch the plays over and over again instead of having to be on Game Pass and click the back key, the back key, the back key. So Carl gets a little bit of a preview of the plays I'm looking at. And I think it's a, a good piece that really shows some of the struggles and positives that Bulls had coming in that he still has. So what about your piece, Carl? Yeah, I I put out one today of the five players that have to step up. And and I cheated a little bit. I only did four players. And then, of course, the coach. I, I said that earlier with Mike McCoy. But five players that just kind of let me down this last week. And a couple of them might be a little bit of a surprise. And ones that we didn't actually even talk about here on this podcast. So definitely an article to check out. I don't even think it's it's premium. So you can read it, go with it, see what you say, and and let me know if there's maybe another player that should have been on that list compared to to who I put on there. Well, I'll make sure to let Eric know so that we can troll you on Twitter and tell you you're wrong. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> you can uh, – oh, and also, for your listeners, next week is going to be the bye week, and we are not going to preview the Broncos versus the Giants episode two weeks early. We'll be bringing you that the week after the bye week, you know, just the normal slot heading into week five of the NFL or week six. And uh, next week, Carl and I are going to be doing a state of the roster, so to speak. You know, over the offseason, we broke down an episode, positional group by positional group. We won't be that hardcore, you know, going through every single player on the Broncos depth chart. But we'll be talking about some areas where some players have maybe stocks down compared to where we thought they were at, stocks up, and uh, maybe even start to dip our toes into next off season areas that can be addressed and everyone's favorite topic, the NFL draft, at least Carl and I, if <laughs> you listeners know anything about us, we love the draft. You can follow the huddle up podcast by subscribing on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio up on YouTube and Carl and I are pretty good about getting on there and chatting with you guys. If you have any questions or comments or letting us know that you didn't appreciate Vach being on there because he came off as a Dallas homer. We heard you loud and clear, YouTube listeners. Um, maybe we need some more outrage. That uh, got us a big win. So let's let's let some anger on the comments section, as long as it's uh, political, though. <laughs> Just that's all. That's all we'll say about that. <laughs> Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us, and reach out to us. And we love interacting with you, Bronco fans. For Carl Dummler, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos! Mile high huddle.